may be seated. Thank you. 
Amen. Thank you, ladies, for that reminder that that good, great, and kind shepherd, Jesus Christ, is there to help us find our way. Would you take your Bibles today and turn with me in the Word of God to John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. We've had a number of folks pass recently. We'll be honoring Betsy in just a few moments in a special service of her own. But I need to mention John Musamelli and his service on Friday. We know that God showed up, moved right in, took control, and a number of precious souls came to God through Christ as a result of that opportunity to speak about John and his God. You see, he knew what a lot of people don't know in this world. He knew whom he had believed. He knew Jesus Christ as Savior. And he lived, he lived and embodied many of the characteristics that we read about in Scripture. It was good to be able to be there and try to be a comfort and a help at that time. Yesterday morning, Iris and her siblings laid to rest. Stella, their sister, who passed several weeks ago, but they had a special service. Yesterday afternoon, our good friend Bob laid to rest their son Ben. And these are not always easy times, but God's grace is always sufficient. Amen. Amen. Today, we include in that number Betsy and remembering that God is the God of all comfort. Today He provides exactly what we need. Whoever you are, wherever you have been and whatever you're going through, God is the God of all comfort. In John chapter 14, Jesus Christ sat down with His disciples before He was to leave this world. He had already spoken to them during their time of training of His imminent passing, that He would leave this world. He had prepared them with some words. But now, as He sat down, He was saying, in effect, this is the time. Now is the time. And it was a time that caught those disciples off guard and caused them to be distressed. We all find ourselves in this circumstance from time to time. But Jesus said in verse number 1 of John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. I believe people come to this world naturally believing in God. They naturally believe in God. You have to be taught by some educated fool to disbelieve in God. People come with a natural belief. Helen Keller, who was blind and deaf, Many of you have seen her story depicted in the various presentations of the miracle worker. You've, you've, seen, you've seen how suddenly under that, under that water pump, she understood water. She was trapped inside, blind and deaf. And she finally understood what water was. And the key to her understanding was opened up. Later on, she went on to fame and... Um, and great uh, popularity because 
She accomplished so much. She earned degrees, a greatly educated woman, a spokesman for, for many causes. But they asked her, they interviewed her, and they said, when you were locked in there, blind and deaf, did you know anything about God? And here's what she said. When she was in there, before she came out of that, that, uh, that uh, circumstance, she said, oh, yes, I always knew He was there. You have to teach a person not to believe in God for them to disbelieve God. A person who will focus on life's tragedies, losses, and difficulties may be tempted to look at the tragedy or the loss instead of seeing what God is all about. Somebody here today is going to say, I have suffered a tragic loss. If in your lifetime you've experienced one, raise your hand. My, my, my dad, your dad, others, yes, we've, we've had folks pass on. We've experienced other things in our life, a tragic loss. And a person might say, where was God when my loved one was dying and passed? And the answer is, God was right where He was when His own Son died on the cross to save our souls from an eternity in hell, to spend eternity in that place we've been singing about and talking about today, heaven. That's where He is. Now it's possible for a human being so influenced by all that's negative and wrong to develop a bitter spirit toward God or the thought of God and to develop an animosity. And that's why when the Bible describes salvation, it begins with repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you getting this? Repentance means a change of mind, a change of heart, and turn around and go the other direction. Amen? That's what it means. We have to have repentance toward God because until we come to God through Christ, we tend to blame things on God. God becomes the bad guy, and people will be tempted to do that. We have repentance toward God, and faith is taking God at His word toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything the Bible says about Jesus Christ is absolutely 100% 24-karat gold true. There's no lie, no mistake in the Bible. The Bible is absolutely true. And so, ye believe in God, Jesus says. And He says, let's personalize this. Let's make this practical. He says, believe also in me. Why? Because Jesus Christ is God in a body. Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. Jesus Christ left the perfections and the purity of heaven to come down to the pollutions and the perversions of this world. And though He Himself was without sin, He knew no sin, He became the sin offering for you and for me. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Anything in heaven compared to the best thing down here is a mansion. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And then he goes on. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. He's coming again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas had a question. Saith unto him, Lord, 
we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Thomas is seeing things through his five senses. He is looking at things in an earthly way. Jesus is talking about heavenly and spiritual and eternal things. And so Jesus says, okay, once again, we're going to, boys and girls, we're going to make this simple. We're going to make this practical. You believe in God, believe also in me. Why? Because he's God in a body. Now he says this, Jesus saith unto him, and down the centuries of time he says to us, I am the way. When Jesus said, I am, that construction, he was claiming to be God. I am. The way he said that, they knew exactly what he was saying. He was claiming to be God. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That's what he's saying. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, here's the exclusivist argument. The person who says, you've got to ask Jesus in your heart, is absolutely correct. A famous preacher was asked by an unbeliever, you mean if I don't receive Christ as my Savior, I'll die and go to hell? One famous preacher that I hold up as one of my mentors and role models now in heaven said, absolutely, absolutely, Larry. If you don't ask Jesus Christ in your heart, Larry, you're going straight to hell. has nothing to do with your religion. has nothing to do with your works. Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. Another famous preacher was asked, one who is still alive and is very popular and has large crowds, and he backed off and he said, well, Larry, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to pass judgment on you. The Bible has already stated that if we don't believe, we're condemned already. Now here's what I'm saying. Don't get mad at me. Here are the facts. If you are about to put your finger in a light socket and light up and I stop you, don't get mad. If I am the surgeon and I come out and I say, you've got a, a mass of cancer that's got to be removed. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some surgery. There's going to be some rehab, but afterwards you're going to be okay. Don't get mad at me for telling you you need surgery. Don't get mad at me for telling you the truth. If the bridge is out and I put up a sign and I say you've got to take a detour, don't get mad about the extra miles. I'm telling you the truth. And today, don't get mad at the preacher. Don't get mad at the Bible. And don't get mad at Jesus Christ or God because the truth is, without Jesus Christ, you're going to split hell wide open like a rock through a spider web. You need Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This preacher can't get you to heaven. This church can't get you to heaven. Good works can't get you to heaven. The Ten Commandments can't get you to heaven. The Golden Rule can't get you to heaven. Uh, that baptismal or anybody's baptismal font or any ritual can't get you to heaven. Only Jesus Christ, knowing Him personally, having Him as your substitute, taking Him as your Savior. Say, Lord Jesus, you're mine. I'm yours. We belong to each other. That's what it takes. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll anoint me with power from on high and help me as I bring this message in Jesus' name. Amen. We used to sing a little chorus in Bible college. Heaven is better than this and absolutely true is that title. Heaven is better than this. The bad news is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the good news is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made, is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And God has prepared a place for all those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ alone by faith alone. I only wish I could do justice to this wonderful, glorious truth that we call heaven. Even though God doesn't tell us everything that there is to know about heaven, He tells us enough to know to get there. On Friday, I wanted to make sure in that funeral service, as I was given the, the joy and the privilege, thank you, Tony and family, for allowing me to stand up and preach the gospel. Here's what you say. Here's heaven, and here's how you get there. Jesus Christ is the way. Made it simple. Made it plain. God has made a way for everybody to go there who will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Through His Word, being born again. Paul, one of the greatest Christians who ever lived, tells us that he was caught up into the third heaven where he saw and felt things with such a tremendous effect upon him that he couldn't even write about it for another 14 years. Think about that. 14 years. Here are some basic truths that we have learned from our scripture today. Number one, heaven is a reserved place. Mark it down. It's a reserved place. You ever go to a hotel, motel, thinking you've got a reserved room and it turned out somebody goofed up and you don't have a reservation after all? And guess what? You've got to go looking for a place to stay. Well, for everybody who's been saved the Bible way, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. A prepared place means that all our needs will be met forever. There will never be pain. There will never be sorrow. There will never, ever be a longing or an aspiration or a desire that won't be fulfilled. We'll have everything. All unanswered questions will be answered and there will be room for everybody. It's a reserved place. But for those who have been born again. I want you to go back in your mind as far as you can. I want you to think back to a time. Can you remember the born again experience? A spiritual rebirth. Saying, God, I can't save myself. I need Jesus Christ. I'm not going to trust the church or good works or religion or ritual. I'm going to have a relationship with you, God, through Jesus Christ. That's it. Peter says, as we have studied on Wednesday nights, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope, a lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a place in the next verse spoken of that's reserved in heaven that fadeth not away. Heaven is a reserved place. Have you got your reservation? You can have it today before you leave here. Number two, heaven is a place of reunion. Heaven is a place of reunion. We get together. We get together at funerals. We get together at family gatherings. We get together on the 4th of July at picnic and so forth. But we're going to get together again. All those that have met Jesus Christ in this life, we're going to get together again. There's going to be a grand reunion in the sky with our loved ones. You're going to see your loved one. You're going to see him or her again. You're going to be with them for all eternity. It's a place of reunion. I remember how it was when I went off to Bible college. And I remember the first time I drove down the road a long distance. Now, I'd gotten through high school. I was, good night, I was captain of two of the athletic teams in my high school. I was tough, I thought I was, tough as nails. 
got in my car and started driving down the road, and then it struck me. I'm going away from home. I'm going to college. Some of you that went off to the armed forces, you know what I'm talking about. And I had to pull the car over alongside the road, get out, and have a good old-fashioned cry. There I was, captain of two athletic teams, tough guy, defend myself. And I'm out there crying alongside the road. You know why? Because I was leaving everything I was used to. Well, the beautiful thing about heaven is we're going to have a reunion and never have to leave again. Amen. Amen and glory to God. That's good. God's making up the bride of Christ right now. We're never going to be separated again, ever again. So it's a place that's reserved. It's a place of reunion. Number three, it's a place of recognition. Put it down. Place of recognition. You remember in the Gospels in Matthew chapter uh, 17 and uh, elsewhere that God gave us a picture of what it's going to be like in the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. Jesus' visions, His face was transformed to be bright and shining. And He appeared with uh, Moses and Elijah, who represent, of course, the law and the prophets, two great representatives of the Old Testament, Jesus representing the New Testament. So we have the completed word represented there. And they are all shining like we're going to shine one day. Daniel says we'll shine like the stars. And they were there with him on the mountain, Peter, James, and John, his inner circle of three. And as they looked, they recognized Jesus and Moses and Elijah, even in their glorified, changed appearance. When we get to heaven, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, we shall know as we are known. I believe that means even though we're in a transformed, perfect body, we're going to know each other. Moms and dads are going to know their kids. Kids are going to know their parents. Brothers and sisters are going to know each other. Family and friends are going to recognize each other. Not because of an outline or because of the way we're dressed or groomed, but because we shall know as we are known. It's a wonderful place, but you've got to have a reservation. got to be born again. Number two, it's going to be a place of reunion where you'll never have to leave again. Number three, it's a place of recognition. Number four, it's a place of rewards. A place of rewards. Where God's people who have been obedient and faithful, stewards, that's what we are, we're servants of the Lord. We're stewards. We're caretakers. We're, we're managers. We take care of the things that God gives us. He's granted to us His grace so that we might serve Him during our life on earth. But now, if we've been faithful, according to what it says in Matthew chapter 25, and what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and what it says in Revelation chapter 22, we're going to have rewards given to us. Now, somebody might object and say, I don't serve God because of the rewards. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And we ought to serve Him because of love. We ought to. But if God didn't want us to know about the rewards, 
he wouldn't have written about it so much in the Word of God. There's a reward for faithfulness. That's it. Faithfulness. We don't get graded according to somebody else. God doesn't grade on a curve. It doesn't work that way. We get rewards by simply being faithful. Can you read your Bible and pray every day? Can you not forsake the assembling of yourselves together in church? Can you give to the work of God? And God always gives us back more than we give Him. Can you serve Him? Can you tell a few folks about Jesus along the way? Can you do that? If you can do that, guess what? There are crowns. Crowns, plural. And we're not going to wear that crown like the old spiritual says, but we're going to cast that crown at Jesus' feet. And we're going to say, Thank you to the Lord for saving us. Thank you for your grace. We can't pay for it, but we're going to thank Him by casting our crowns. Think of it. Thousands, perhaps millions of crowns cast at the feet of King Jesus. Think about it. Yes. It's a place that's reserved. It's a place of reunion. It's a place of recognition. It's a place of rewards. And it's a place where those of us who are the blood-bought, redeemed children of God will rejoice eternally. If you're not used to saying amen, you'll have to go to remedial amen class. <laughs> now nah, you'll know how to amen. It'd just be good for us to get in the habit down here. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. It's where we rejoice eternally. You say, it sounds awfully boring in heaven. I think one of the devil's tricks is to get us addicted to things down here that we think without those addictions, we're going to be bored in heaven. Really? Really? Are you kidding me? Now, I don't know if you're addicted to, to booze or drugs or smokes, or if you're addicted to pornography, or if you're addicted to television or electronics, or if you're addicted to food. Am I a preacher now? You're getting a meddling here now. You're meddling. I don't know what you're addicted to. You may be a party animal. I don't know. But you're addicted to something, perhaps. And you say, I just don't know if I'm going to be happy in heaven without that thing that I'm addicted to. What part of you is addicted? The Bible speaks of the old nature, the Adamic nature, the flesh nature, the old man, Adam's nature. Understand what I'm saying? When the born-again child of God dies... Guess what part gets left behind? Glory! Amen! Amen! I'm thankful for every person who by the grace of God has had victory in Jesus realized over their addictions and preoccupations. Thank you, Brother Wayne, Sister Jeanette, for all your good work on Friday nights. Helping people that come from all different backgrounds. All different uh, preoccupations. Thank God for all of our rotations working Friday nights to help people on the toughest night for people with addictions. It's Friday night. Starts the weekend. It's the toughest night. But I'm going to tell you right now, whatever hasn't been taken care of before we go is going to be taken care of when we go. If you know Jesus as your Savior, when the time comes to go, if it's because of the trumpet sound, because Jesus is coming again, and we're called up, the dead in Christ first will rise, and then we which are alive and remain will be called up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Glory to God. 
No more addictions. No more preoccupations. That's right. Kids, you won't be saying, where's my electronic device? Where's my game? You won't need it where we're going. You won't need that stuff, folks. You that are addicted to, to cheap reading, bad reading, you won't need it. You that are addicted to how many hours in front of the, the television, you won't need that. You won't need that. It'll all be brand new. Now, the goal is when the rapture takes place, when God calls us home, the goal is in this life we yield to Jesus so much that there doesn't have to be too big of a change. The question I'm going to leave with you believers, you that are saved, how big a change is going to take place? Woo! That's one to pause and think about. How big a change has to take place? You got some bad feelings. You got some grudges. You got some, you got some things going on with people you count your enemies. You got some... Got, got some, some ugly feelings going on? Take care of them now. Give them to Jesus. Put them under the blood. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take care of it now. Take care of it now. Unforgiveness, take care of it now. Forgive unconditionally. Forgive for the sake of Jesus Christ. Forgive. You don't want to haul that load of rocks around. Just forgive. It's a place where we're going to rejoice forever indescribable purity and beauty. There will not be any sin. There will not be any evil. There will be no devil. There will be no demons. There will be no disease. There will be no war. There will be no greed. There will be no, no death. There will be no political confusion. There will be nothing to cause sorrow or pain anymore. It's a place of unhindered, intimate, continuous fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the people of God. There are so many things that hinder us down here. Let's leave it behind today. Let's not wait for the rapture. Let's not wait for Jesus to take us. Let's leave it behind today. Let's put it under the blood today. How about it? Let's put it under the blood today. Let's take care of it today. Let's forgive today. Let's get right with God today. Let's ask for forgiveness of sin today. Amen. Let's get it taken care of. What a shame if we don't. What a shame if we live another hour, another minute with anything between our soul and the Savior. And how sad it will be if a person willfully and deliberately chooses not to receive Jesus Christ, who is the way, not a way, not one of many. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It says in Revelation 21, 8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, thus people that haven't been forgiven, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We don't take any joy in talking about the second death. But I want to warn you, just like that doctor who says, there's going to be surgery, it's going to hurt, but afterwards you're going to be okay. I'm telling you the bad news. The good news is Jesus died to take away all of the penalty of that sin. Every single one of those. And all we must do, but as many as received Him to them gave you power to become the sons or the children of God. To him that believe, we have to believe and receive. That's it. Believe and receive. How sad to be lost. If you persist in not receiving Christ as your Savior, 
then here's what you face. And I can't guarantee you another minute of life, but I'll tell you this. If you don't receive Christ before your time comes, then you'll go straight to a devil's hell that he did not prepare for, for you. He prepared it for the devil. You'll go straight to a devil's hell for all eternity. And you'll be kicking over the preacher, the membership of this church, the Holy Spirit of God, the perfect Word of God that wants to stand between you and hell and wants you to come to God through Christ because of. Will you right now with your head bowed and your eyes closed consider what I've said. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking. Do you know for sure that heaven is your home? Are you willing right now, if you're not sure, are you willing to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart as your Savior? Let me help you. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. For those that are not 100% sure that heaven is your home, I would ask you to breathe the prayer from your heart to God and mean it. Now here's what we're praying about. We're praying about the fact that all of us, this preacher included, every single one of us, has been born with a sin nature and we get old enough, we exercise it willfully and deliberately and we are sinners by nature and practice and we need a Savior. And there's only one who qualifies. And that Savior is not your pastor. That Savior is not some religious leader. That Savior is not the best person you know or the person you love the most or has lived the best life. But that person is Jesus Christ. He's the only way to heaven. With your head bowed and eyes closed, would you pray from your heart something like this? Dear God, just pray silently. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins. And take me to heaven when I die. And take me to heaven when I die. Now, every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.